politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to find anew, not just guard anew, but find anew a civilization built on self-evident truths, life, liberty, and property. Today is Tuesday, our annual Thanksgiving show, because we will be out tomorrow. Yes, I know, I'm taking a little bit of a long weekend, uh, getting a little bit lazy here, but now is really not a time for laziness. It's interesting, today is actually the day itself, November 21st, the anniversary of the signing of the Mayflower Compact when the Pilgrims recognized that their situation was irremediable in England. They needed to self-separate from what they viewed as evil, as unlivable circumstances politically, and they began anew, a new social compact that they wrote and signed actually in the harbor as they were docking and finding this new civilization that we commemorate and celebrate this week, but one that we lost. And now we've come full circle. We need our own Mayflower. Where is our Mayflower ship compact? And that's what we need to explore because you can't physically disengage anywhere. The entire world has been founded. I don't really know of any physical place we can go to. So all we're left is to find the last vestiges of America that are the most salvageable, the relatively untouched. I wouldn't say, I mean, there's not an inch that's untouched from the left, but the most salvageable areas and make them actually a new compact for those of us who actually still share the values of the original pilgrims and this is the problem we have because what, what the pilgrim self-separated from was something that wasn't nearly what we're dealing with with the anarchy and tyranny today. They weren't dealing with people. Yes, there were different denominations in Christianity. They felt they were being persecuted, but it wasn't like the persecution we face today. It, it, it really wasn't. And I want to go through some of these stories of persecution and then Go on to our first candidate interview we're going to do with this season. The primaries are coming up. In addition to focus on the legislative sessions of states, I want to focus on um, you know, candidates because we need to find people that actually will fight for us, You know, not just complain. So we have a terrific, really a superlative example of the sort of candidate we're looking for coming up. But first, our sponsor today... Okay, this is a tough one to pronounce. Qualia Synolotic. It's made from our friends at Noro Hacker. You know, as you get to my age, start pushing 40, you get these random aches and pains. You don't recover from them as quickly as you used to. You feel sluggish, tired. And that's because we have these zombie cells in our body that are worn out and they serve no useful function, but they kind of degrade the body's function. Qualia Synolotic is a product that is sort of like the equivalent of pruning, yellowing, and dead leaves off a plant. It removes those worn-out cells to allow for the rest of them to thrive in the body. It's a product you only have to take twice a month. So I just started on it. You don't have to take it every day. It's twice a month, um, non-GMO, gluten-free. The ingredients are meant to complement one another, all natural, 100-day money-back guarantee, 
Um, if you want to feel younger, and especially those of you who are vaccine injured that are dealing with this dead, inflamed uh, biosystem that's been created by it and, and other inflammation that's bombarding us, resist aging at the cellular level by trying Qualiosinolodic. Go to neurohacker.com slash conservative for up to $100 off. And use code conservative at checkout for an additional 15%. That's neurohacker.com slash conservative and offer code conservative for 15% off. So, folks, we had the news story yesterday. You want to talk about persecution. And I was one of the few people that had no qualms about calling this, calling a spade where it was. I always believed Derek Chauvin was innocent, certainly of any criminal charges and certainly uh, murder charges. The Supreme Court on Monday declined to hear an appeal from Derek Chauvin, who was convicted under terribly biased uh, circumstances. He had a show trial. Uh, Chauvin's attorney, William Morham, said um, this criminal trial generated the most amount of pretrial publicity in history. More concerning are the riots which occurred after George Floyd's death and led the jurors to all express concerns for their own safety. Um, it's unbelievable. And here we are, the Supreme Court refuses to take it up, and everyone knows that if you go into the brains of Kavanaugh Barrett, and we talked about this yesterday, they know that he did not get a fair trial. But they also know that they fear the fist of the left more than righteousness and justice. And that is the ultimate collapse of the Mayflower Compact, that social compact that we founded this continent upon. Okay, that is the ultimate collapse when you can no longer have justice because of anarchy. That is a huge, huge story that everyone knows this guy doesn't deserve 22 years in prison, but everyone knows he's getting it because of the fist. And, and that's how you know, by the way, like right now there's a ceasefire that Biden imposed on Israel. You might think, oh, all these rioters, they're turning people off to their cause. No. Violence and crime pay. It works. That is the lesson that we're learning. What, what are we supposed to take out of from, from, from this uh, situation? None of our exhortations of government, begging, none of it works. The left's violence works, and that's why you know, we're having Floyd 2.0 with Hamas, because that is the way they'll win the 2024 election. People just want peace. They just want to wish the problem away. So we now face systemic persecution where the government will directly persecute you or the government's brown shirts through BLM, through released criminals, through illegal aliens, through pro-Hamas uh, rioters. They'll get, come to you and either they get you or if you defend yourself, well, you don't have the right to self-defense, whether you're a cop whether following standard procedures as he was in that case, or whether you're a civilian. But meanwhile, as we have, I mean, you literally have organizations with Hamas on speed dial running America and fomenting riots, blocking cars, blocking roads, by the way. But here is what our FBI is focused on. Utah men arrested on charges of interstate death threats. Now imagine how many death threats have been lodged against Jews and other people by the pro-Hamas people, but this is what they're focused on. Kevin Brent Buchanan, 62, 
of Tuli, Utah, was charged by complaint unsealed today with threatening a Palestinian rights organization. According to publicly filed court documents, this is from the Justice Department. Between October 31st and November 2nd, Buchanan called the organization and left at least five voicemails saying, you're the enemy, you're being cataloged, you're going to die, you're dead people walking. There are endless equivalents and even worse on the other side that's not being enforced, but of course, he was arrested. Um, Does it say which organization he went after? No, I don't even have that here. I don't know if it's CARE or one of those organizations. So again, that is your anarcho-tyranny embodied. The government imposes tyranny. The government unleashes and green lights anarchist organizations to attack you, and they'll go after you if you try to fight them. So where where do we go? Where do we evacuate? You, You can't go overseas... They have a reach in all 50 states. What is the solution? By the way, the ACLU is suing DeSantis over disbanding the pro-Amas student chapter in, in University of Florida. Um, so they run the government. They, they run the country. Isn't it interesting? The ACLU says you have a right to formulate a state-sanctioned state university chapter of Hamas, but you don't have the right to breathe freely. And in fact, not only... Did the ACLU not defend people being forced to wear a mask? They actually filed a lawsuit against states that tried to ban mask mandates. Not ban masks. You could wear one, but ban the forcing of others to wear one. They believe you have to be forced. That is the anarcho-tyranny we live in. And again, nothing. Where do we go from here? And by the way, on the Derek Chauvin thing, I'm going to talk about this more next week with the producer of this film. We've had her on before, Liz Collin. But the fall of Minneapolis.com, there's a almost a two-hour documentary out um, that I plan on watching. Might be good to watch over Thanksgiving to understand the fall of our civilization. Um, the lies behind George Floyd and everything that's done and the lies that persist to this day. But folks, we are the new pilgrims. But the problem is, where do we go? And I don't, I don't have an answer. We're formulating this through our... Red State Sanctuary Movement, I think our county militia movement that we need, but it's got to be sanctioned by government. Otherwise, as you can well see, the feds will mow you down. But you need leaders. And the few we get, the fake reactionary right that complains about everything won't take yes for an answer. So I'm going to try to spotlight the few candidates we have, and we have one today. But we have to first recognize the severity of the problem, and recognize that we're going to have to go outside our our comfort zone. The problem is we're too comfortable. William Bradford himself once said, all great and honorable actions are accompanied with great difficulties and both must be enterprised and overcome with answerable courage. And, and I fear it just... It's not bad enough. It's still too subtle. COVID evidently was too subtle. The tyranny, the death, the murder. The tyranny from Floyd and BLM and January 6th. It's not bad enough. The border, it's not bad enough. 
We continue electing the same status quo people. Meta Trump and all the rhinos he endorses. I don't know what to say. I just don't know what to say. Now, one of the programs we are going to work on is running for office at a local level. We do have several listeners in this audience that have taken up the call, and I really want to have their back. And one of them is a terrific guy I met before at one of our Patriot Academy gun trainings, Andy Fox. If you want to look up Andy Fox for Knoxville County Commission. Knoxville is a place in Tennessee we should be running, you know, running up the scoreboard, but no, we're not. And um brilliant lawyer and and longtime listener, so he's running for county commission. If you're down there in that part of Tennessee, check him out. But folks, we got to get outside of our comfort zone. I I really believe that if we turn to God. You know, that's what Thanksgiving is all about. Recognizing that what you have is from him and what you need will only come from him and how you have to thank him for what he's given you and beseech his kindness and mercy for future bounty. We come together but recognize that what we're doing is not working. What is our Mayflower moment today? What is the equivalent of breaking away? What does that look like? And we're, we're starting to give, you know, the rough outline for that. And if, if you took this entire movement of reactionary French revolutionists that claim to know what time it is and kind of recognize what you and I recognize here today and would just marshal that energy into something constructive, I think we could achieve a lot of these objectives. But instead, we don't. So you get the same same old garbage. Same old garbage. A couple more things I want to get to before our guest but first our other sponsor today i target pro you know whenever i go to the range and just put a couple couple hundred uh rounds down range i just get all into it i want to keep practicing and then like oh my gosh i can't afford this rate of burn it's so expensive nowadays to shoot that's where itargetpro.com has your back you you know definitely go to the range definitely train with live ammo but you can get 90% of the skills your stance, your grip, your sight alignment, picture alignment, trigger pull with iTarget Pro's dummy laser bullet that you put into either your gun or rifle, 9mm, 45 ACP, or uh, 223 for your AR. Um, just get the right one. You go to the letter I, targetpro.com, and offer code CR. For basically 100 bucks. you get 10% off, by the way, with offer code CR. Um you basically make the money back in one training session, the amount of ammo you would have had to spend. Uh, it's the smartest, safest, and funnest way to train and stay competitive, uh, build on that muscle memory that you really need to be prepared for that defensive situation these days. So again, practice uh, on the cheap, but effective in a fun way. You download their app. You could draw from the holster, practice shooting. Just make sure you uh, have no live ammo and practice all of the safety rules. itargetpro.com. Offer code CR. Um, there is one interesting story that um, I have seen. This is from redstate.com. Our sanctuary movement is growing. The Holton Township Board of Trustees. So this this is um, Muskegon, uh, Muskegon County. 
Michigan, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. It's on the West Shore. It's a. It's not even the county government. It's a township board of trustees. They're saying, look, we are a, a Second Amendment sanctuary here. Now, other counties have done that, but they added an addendum to create a township militia. Okay, so this is what we're looking for. This is something you can do, a township militia. Remember, bring it under the color of law. And basically, local residents are eligible to join a militia and make their intentions known by acknowledging their intent on social media or stating their intent by a letter to the township militia. It's anyone over 18, they pass a federal firearms background check. They have to provide their own firearms. Um, and, and and they have to adhere to regulations. They, now, I, what I want to create eventually is a, is a state, a much larger one, and I am working on that, a state-sanctioned one that hopefully could get around the NFA at some point. But, you know, again, they're starting small. It's a township. They don't have the money. They got to follow the rules. Um, so you bring your own, your own weapons. Um, and, you know, whether, you know, semi-auto rifles and shotguns, and they're forming their own militia. This is something I really want to work on headed into the new year. I mean, I think this is part of our Mayflower moment because it's not a matter of going to another place. Now, I think there's a part of it we might have to move, and I'm a good example of that living in a blue state, but I'm only going to move away from my family and my, my, my roots if it's worth it. I'm going to move once. I'd hate to move to a red area. Oh, I got to move again because it's not really red. And one of the ways to do this is getting like-minded people to take over given areas and make those areas sanctuaries from anarchy, sanctuaries from tyranny and sanctuaries for our God-given constitutional rights. But it's got to be in a more organized fashion where the people our informed citizens elect a good local government that reflects them. None of this business of having an R plus 25 district with Mitch McConnell Republicans. And then the people work synergistically with the elected officials. They're all one. That is the fulfillment of the doctrine of least magistrate to interpose against, you know, tyranny from the higher forms of government. That's, the equivalent of our King George for today. So that's what we're going to talk about with our guests. Just one other thing before um, before uh, I move on. As Israel is forced into a ceasefire thanks to Biden, I'm hearing Tommy Tuberville, the senator from Alabama, who had the hold on all those military promotions, he is being forced into a ceasefire. Republicans are basically turning the screws on him. And this is very sad. I just saw this um, in thehill.com. Senator Ted Cruz says he believes that his Republican colleagues will soon reach a deal with Sen- Senator Tommy Tuberville to clear the Alabama senator's holds on more than 350 military promotions, averting the possibility that Democrats will advance a resolution to effectively change Senate rules. Cruz acknowledged in an interview with conservative radio show host Hugh Hewitt that Tuberville's holds are having, quote, a real and negative consequences on the lives and careers of military officers and military readiness. So it's Tuberville who's the problem with military readiness, not the transgendered 
uh, feminist um, insanity of our military. There you go. We have failed to move this party one inch. One inch. One inch. And by the way, going back to the Houthi stuff, the ceasefire, you know the Houthis seized a ship. I believe it was a British-owned ship that was flying under a Japanese flag, but they thought, the Houthis thought it was Israeli because I think the biggest investor is an Israeli, and they seized the ship. And there's no, no punishment. Again, I'm not into getting involved in the Middle East, but the shipping lanes is, that is, was always a priority since the, dating back to the founding of the country, the Barbary Pirates, we have no deterrent now. And uh, instead, the Biden administration is siding with Iran, siding with Hamas, screwing Israel um, because he's done screwing our borders because he doesn't need, <laughs> he's meeting zero resistance, so he may as well move on to Israel. And we have no leadership and that's where I want to get to our Meet the Candidates series, Meet the Candidates, you know, the next couple months as we focus on the presidential primaries. You know, we got we to gotta focus on good guys just getting in more numbers. We don't have the numbers. So our interview today is sponsored by Patriot Mobile. That's another action item. You know, as you can elect better candidates, you can also elect better of vendors that don't hate you. Um, Patriot Mobile loves the military. They love veterans. They love the Second Amendment, freedom of religion, freedom of speech, sanctity of life. And they offer the same good coverage of all three major networks. Really, you know, been part of the Blaze family for many years. Glenn Beck has been uh, with them, or they've been the sponsors of Glenn's show for many years and sponsors of my show as well. You go to patriotmobile.com slash CR or call their 100% U.S.-based customer team, all of them speak English, 972-PATRIOT. Get free activation with offer code CR. You can keep your number, keep your phone. There's no excuses. Make the switch today, patriotmobile.com slash CR, or call 972-PATRIOT. So, folks, I promised a while ago that I would dial back my involvement in primaries. I just got so jaded after doing it for about eh, 15 years and being the lone guy, spotlighting, giving a platform to guys running for House, Senate, Governor. And, you know, we typically lose 99% of those races because bad guys always win. And that's certainly the case with incumbents, uh, but even open seats. I mean, you know, I was just looking. Uh, our next guest is going to be from South Carolina 4. And it's rated in the R plus 12 district. Uh, upstate. South Carolina, that should be a bastion of what we're talking about. Sanctuary counties, sanctuaries from anarchy, sanctuaries from tyranny, sanctuaries for constitutional rights. And there are 126 districts rated at or more Republican on the Cook PVI scale than South Carolina 4. Yet, as you well know, there's only a fraction of them, tiny fraction, that were actualizing that potential. And I will tell you, in 15 years, we have made zero progress. So after a while, I start to get pretty jaded. But then there's a part of me that it just always comes back to it. That, you know, as I keep saying at the presidential level, take yes for an answer. 
We're always like, oh, it's terrible. Look at what they did, the budget bill. All my colleagues, all the French revolutionists, all the pseudo-MAGA people, all the grifters, yeah, the establishment. And then, you know, when it actually matters, they're never there. Okay, so what are you doing to change the orientation of the House? Right, the biggest lesson of that House is that we have two parties within the Republican Party there, and in fact, the the bad guys have larger numbers. I mean, that is the lesson. We always had this with the speakers, like, get this guy, get that guy. But the sad reality is that these guys were always a reflection of the broad conference, and therein lies the problem. We are making zero progress. So when someone actually comes and is willing to storm the castle, I just... You know, I, I just can't ignore it. As much as I'm almost you know, willing to give up on a federal level, and I really do want to focus more on state and local, but when you do have solid candidates running, I, I think it's our obligation to actually have their back. There are so few people that have the ability to put themselves out on the line, have some sort of a platform from which to, to run, and it's not going to change on its own. And if you, you know, we're talking today about stepping outside of your comfort zone. If there's going to be people willing to put themselves out, certainly we need to at least support them. And that leads me to our guest, South Carolina State Rep Adam Morgan. Well, who's Adam? Adam currently represents District 20 in the State House in the Greenville area. He's the chairman of the Freedom Caucus. And we've talked a lot on the show about the State Freedom Caucuses being probably the most auspicious potential we have to change things, make red states actually red. And the South Carolina Freedom Caucus, perhaps more than in any other state, has finally embarked on this Declaration of Independence, the closest thing we can to creating a new party, which ultimately we know kind of needs to be created, but you know, bridging that divide between the ballot access issue and just having people with their own jersey. They've exposed the the fallacy of South Carolina Republicans, which I don't think you guys need to hear more about that. And he is now taking it to a federal level, and he's challenging in that upstate's District 4, the incumbent William Timmons, who is, again, a typical do-nothing status quo Republican that has no passion for any issue, votes with leadership, um, and even, you know, if he's not voting with them, it certainly is not fighting for us, wasting a solid red district. This should be one of our best parts of the country with a lot of good activists there. And uh, Adam is is running. He's an interesting guy, only 34 years old. He's a, he's a lawyer. He's also a composer and a filmmaker and writes children's books. And folks, this is one of the earlier primaries. Remember, in a presidential year, a lot of the primaries are backed up in South Carolina, of course, is is the third state. So this is a February primary. This is one of the next inflection moments, and you cannot get a greater contrast, a superlative candidate who actually has demonstrated with a record. See, you have all these guys, oh, Marga, oh, Trump. Yeah, I mean, they all say that and nothing happens, but this is a guy who has led the Freedom Caucus. He has done in the state house sort of what we need to be done in greater numbers at a federal level. So here it's just a matter of what are his chances, not if he's the right candidate. I wholeheartedly support him. And with no further ado, he is with us on the line. Hey, Adam, thank you for putting yourself out there and thank you for joining us today at Blaze Media. 
Hey, thanks for having me on. It's an honor. All right, so you listened to my filibuster there. I want to get more from you yeah. so people could hear from you. So Timmons, your your opponent, the incumbent, he said, Adam Morgan thinks that by picking fights with fellow Republicans, he is advancing the conservative agenda, but we have enough self-serving, do-nothing politicians in Washington. We don't need another one. What say you? Yeah, I, I think it's pretty ironic anyone that's even kind of paying attention knows that we have done more in the last couple of years uh, for the conservative movement in South Carolina uh, than really almost anyone else in South Carolina history. I mean, we've had our caucus, the Freedom Caucus, has had so many strategic wins. We shut down pediatric transgender clinics. We've sued school districts and gotten CRT out of the schools. We've had major wins legislatively with constitutional carry and uh, transparency in education and just so many key issues that I mean, it's almost or it is laughable uh, to try to portray me as a do nothing. It's almost like some people are like, you know, are y'all, <laughs> when are y'all going to slow down? Uh, I think that the fact is the incumbent is actually a do nothing. And and he knows that there's a thing, you know, in psychology called projection where you want to you know push your your weaknesses on <laughs> on other people. And, you know, when you look at his record, it's one of, of compromise, one of just distraction. Uh, he doesn't show up. He's never been a part of the, any of the main fights that have happened in January when the conservatives were fighting, getting the best concessions in American politics in who knows a century, trying to get the strength and power back in the House of Representatives, back to the people. Uh, he was completely with the establishment status quo members on that fight, just completely missing in action. Um, you know, in six years, it's hard to think of anything that he's accomplished. And, the, you know, we we just have got to stop settling as Republicans. You know, you, you talked at the beginning, you were getting me amped up, ready to storm the castle with your monologue. But the fact is, like, I am fighting for the battle uh, for the soul of the Republican Party. Like, we're taking our party back. It, it's our party. I, I don't have to break off and, and, and do a third party. My Our platform is strong. It, it can uh, it meets the test of time. It, it's got the core American principles and values. We just need people of competence and of courage who will go in, who know what's at stake and are willing to to fight and actually get wins on these issues. Because when we fight, when we stick to our principles, when we speak out, when we hold firm against, you know, lobbyist forces, special interests and even, you know, more establishment people in our party, we win. We beat the left every time. You look at what's going on in Florida. You look at what's uh, happening in other parts of the, of the states. And, um, you know, I'm ready to take on this fight. Uh, yep. You know, my my opponent is going to you know, throw throw out attacks. because He's got to deflect from a very uh, poor record. But I'm going to stand by uh, my very strong record, and I'm ready to take on some big fights and, and change this country and protect what we uh, have been blessed by for so many years. No, and folks, I mean, this is the point as you listen to Adam, just just keep in mind, I, I keep saying, look, you know, people debate the presidential election, this and that. But if we were at least progressing to in every new seat, every new election that you have, certainly an open seat. But if you have a you know viable challenger to an incumbent that's underperforming. Uh, a red district, a uh, good conservative part of the country, we were changing things. I'd be like, all right, you know, maybe be a little patient 
we're 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 changing things. But we sleep through the primaries, and it, it, and it's, you know it's a reflection of down ballot. We don't recognize that what we're doing is not working. So, Adam, I'm going to give you a little hard time here. So. My belief is that the federal system is almost irremediably broken, okay? We have basically a few dozen conservatives in the House. We have, I don't even know how many in the Senate, like five maybe. I mean, it's really bad. Yeah. It's it's really bad there. Um, no matter what, you're never going to get 60 Republicans, and most of those Republicans are like Democrats. Um, in South Carolina, you have a trifecta. Now, you expose the fallacy of it, as, as most red state trifectas are, but you're the leader of the Freedom Caucus. You're making progress. Why not just focus on South Carolina and screw it? Why give that up? I, I have told other people I feel— Oh, I'm not giving yeah. it up. <laughs> no, I'm not giving it up at all. That's the exact opposite. So th- the fact is that we've had huge impact in South Carolina. I, I believe it's been the most uh, successful and robust conservative effort in South Carolina history. We've exposed so much. We're having so many strategic wins. But I- I've got to give credit where credit's due. Like, I-, I was elected chair, and I'm the leader of the group, but it is absolutely a testament to the 16, 17 other members that I have that have stood with me and fought against. I mean, you probably know the story. We got thrown out of the Republican caucus yeah. earlier this year for not signing a loyalty pledge to not share the public voting board with constituents. And when that whole fight happened, we had people who had bigger positions, bigger platforms, who who came in like Jim DeMint and Congressman Ralph Norman, who, who came in and gave us cover and beat up on the crony establishment leaders who came in and did fundraising. Uh, because the fact is, you know, the average constituent, they barely know who their state rep is, much less do they know that, you know, the the fight that we've had you know, over the loyalty pledge and over, you know, getting rid of CRT and all that stuff, that they only pay attention to federal politics. And so we have to take the high ground. You have to have strong, competent conservatives to take those positions that have bully pulpits, to speak into the culture, to focus on the issues that matter at a federal and a state level, like Ralph Norman has done, and even a local level. I mean, me and the conservative legislators in our Freedom Caucus, we sued our local Greenville County Council because they hiked everybody's taxes, property taxes, and they basically broke state law to do it and forced through this crony tax hike. Well, we sued them and people were saying, oh, stay in your lane. Why are you focused on a local issue? I'm like, because it affects my constituents. And if you have a position of leadership that people have elected you to, to go in and fight and contend for your values and fight for your constituents' constituents' interests, you better use that effectively. And so we have too many people, especially from South Carolina, who are in these higher elected offices who do the absolute bare minimum. They never fight for conservatism. They never you know, help change the state. So I actually think that by going and taking uh, the fourth congressional seat and having a conservative in there who will fight at the federal level and also cares what's happening in district and at home and will speak out and fight and help the conservative movement at the state level and even the local level, I think that's what you have to have to really change mm-hmm. this country. You can't just you know, rely on people at the, the lower levels. Like, of course, stay informed there and elect great people, but you've got to get strong conservative fighters to use those platforms effectively. 
because that's what will change this nation. So I, I get from what you're saying, you hope to be not just a vote, but a voice, which is really what we're lacking. And you see people like Chip Roy, Ralph Norman, there's a handful of them. Obviously, Ralph, I give him credit. He has gone out on a limb endorsing against a colleague in the state. He did endorse yeah. you. <laughs> um, and he's on yeah, rules committee along with Chip. And that's why the speaker bypassed him with the you know suspension vote on the on the budget bill, because he would have blocked it. And I give him a lot of credit. Very few are willing to step out of their comfort zone and and go against the status quo. So that's something definitely going for him. Obviously, the speaker is endorsing all the incumbents. The speaker did endorse your opponent. What sort of innovative ideas do you want to bring up there? And I don't need necessarily even mean so much on policy, because we can't even get to that point. I mean, on we're spinning our wheels that you know, you have a few dozen that will oppose all the budget bills. Um, at the end of the day, there's one piece of leverage you have, and that is the budget. Okay, as you well know, um, you know when you have divided government or don't have 60 votes in the Senate, it's it's the budget leverage that the House would stand behind a certain leverage point. But in order to do that, yeah. you have to be willing to risk a potential of some sort of government shutdown. That's not necessarily the point, but that you you can't be bothered by that. Otherwise, you have no leverage. We have a vicious cycle of how there is nothing that could be done to this country that will get Republicans to fear the results of those policies, such as an open border or inflation, more than they fear a government shutdown. What sort yeah. <laughs> of innovative ideas could you bring that will change the calculus? Because I'm sure, as you have well seen— Despite the intentions of some of these speaker fights, we really have not changed the game there. Yeah, well, I do think that the the changes that they got in January were you know generational changes that are going to have lasting impact. But but yes, I completely understand what you're saying. For, first of all, you know the the whole government shutdown crisis that wasn't even a thing until the Carter administration. So I think we need to roll back uh, the way we do it, and we shouldn't be uh, governing in this way, governing to a shutdown every single time. I think that plays directly into the hands of uh, of the liberals, and I think that we should work towards uh, changing that and rolling it back to the way it was previous. Uh, you know that, and I don't. I'm not even sure how tough of a lift that is because I think the American public is sick and tired of the shutdown crisis you know, every single time. Um, and so I think there's, there would be some momentum to try to change that. And uh, I, yeah, I think you've got to have people who are willing to uh, speak out and be bolder in their proposals. Uh, we had some of those on the uh, border. You mentioned the, um, you know, when we go to defund something that ultimately Congress has the power of the purse, that's what gives us all the power that we have in Congress. And they had a chance. Uh, one of the members put up an amendment that would have gutted a migration funding until uh, Biden recognized that it's a crisis and dealt with the border. And all the conservatives pretty much voted for that, including the entire South Carolina delegation, except for my incumbent. He voted with the Democrats and with some of the moderates in leadership. And it's that kind of when you have such a clear, uh, strong statement and fight, and then you randomly back down. You say you're conservative, but you back down on a clear chance you have to really uh, do something meaningful. Um, that, that, that's just the, the perfect example of why uh, we need a change in this seat. 
Um, I do think that when you look at different policies we can do, so many of the conservative ideas and, and policies are, are common sense. Like that when you get into uh, Department of Defense funding and you start looking at, you know, how we've changed over the last couple years or really the last decade to so much of the money that is going to DOD is not actually uh, toward the lethality of our force. It, it, we're wasting it on DEI and we're pushing all these um, wasteful programs that care more about, you know, somebody's diversity than how good of a pilot they are. And, you know, it's not only is it a complete waste of taxpayer money, but it's also leaving our military uh, behind. And it's letting, you know, our enemies like China catch up and even surpass us in certain areas. That's something that, you know, on day one, I think we need a comprehensive review of DOD funding to figure out what funding is actually going toward the lethality of our force and where we can, you know, make cuts. Because, you know, those kind of propositions, I think you've seen it specifically on the state level in Florida, where you have uh, executives that are willing to kind of lean into these common sense um, proposals and ideas that really hit across the political spectrum. You know, everybody's sitting there going, actually, yeah, I want to make sure that I have a strong military to be able to, you know, stand against China or Russia or. But it's all about the funding. It's never about the particular policies. And the NDAA is a great opportunity, the authorization bill, to discuss policy. But they just discuss dollars and cents. How much more? How much more? And obviously, South Carolina politicians, because a big military state, they've just always gone along with that ideological log rolling of how anything that's thrown into that military pot, okay, we're all for it, and then here we are with a more expensive military than ever, but a less lethal one, as you as you put it. And yeah. I like that, that expression. It's the lethality, not so much just the raw funding. You have to have a certain minimum amount. But I want to get to some other naughty things that I think people like you are needed for this. As a chairman of a state freedom caucus, I'm just going to give my opinion on what I have seen. You, you have really... I, you mentioned this twice already, how you're playing up the agreement uh, in January with, with McCarthy. And I agree with you that I always felt that that agreement was fundamentally strong, and I that's why I strongly supported it. Um, and I felt that actually that was better than what they have now with Mike Johnson, where clearly they don't have that agreement. He was able to bypass uh, Ralph Norman and Chip Roy at Rules Committee. But... In my view, and nobody else is saying this, but it is absolutely true, and I'm not – and look, I've criticized Kevin McCarthy 12 years ago before it was cool. I'm not defending him, yeah. <laughs> but what I am saying is the biggest problem I've seen of why it fell apart was because the Freedom Caucus itself has a lot of problems, okay? They are extremely divisive among themselves each one hates each other so i'll have i'll be friends with two guys independently and i'll mention a to b and it'll be like yeah that guy's uh, like whoa i didn't know you felt that way okay (laughs) and it's really i'm just telling you it's really bad they had no coherent ask red line slash demand for mccarthy so each one said 50 million different things and it was almost impossible to deal with and to this day i don't see a unified voice anyone who tries to go out and take a leadership role and is like look we gotta we gotta unify then others like he likes to be the loudest voice in the room so what could you give to our audience in terms of what you have done as chairman of the south carolina freedom caucus that you feel you could bring up there because my point is until we reform 
and make the Freedom Caucus itself more united and effective, I don't see us working out you know, the, some of the things we just talked about with government shutdown and budget bills. Yeah, I mean, so I am not there yet, so I don't know the intricacies of the personalities in the room, but I can absolutely go back to my record. You know, I I came in and and founded the Freedom Caucus with uh, 13 other members uh, a little over a year ago. In the offseason, worked uh, very hard to elect new members. We picked up eight seats, um, even beating four longtime incumbents, uh, have a strong group of uh, 18 members we had a couple retire and uh, one leave and uh, now we have a, this strong team we're very unified it, it's you know it's it's work we have the, uh, the brilliance of our of our system is also uh, one of its biggest drawbacks is that you have elected people from different areas and different beliefs and viewpoints and interests who t- come together and it's a numbers game to do anything and so you have to really work with people you have to listen you have to lead, uh, build a strong team. We don't have those kind of uh, divisive problems in our caucus. I mean, people definitely disagree, and we sometimes, you know, really hash it out in, in our caucus meetings. But um, I am a people person. I'm a, a coalition builder. You can be both. To some people, shock. You can be a firebrand conservative who's looking to, to to fight for your values and change things, and also be a coalition builder who inspires. Um, you know, people to be a part of the team and to, to get along. And, um, you know, it's probably like a lot of politics. A lot of people like to position themselves as the smartest guy in the room who's got all the answers and they're the one that's done everything. And I can tell you firsthand, like everything I've accomplished is actually a we, not an I. Like it's it's always goes back to other members who stood with me, people that, you know, use their talents and we, we were able to work together. Uh, and Congress is a numbers game. You've got to build coalitions. And I think it sounds like you need more people with that kind of mindset who are looking for allies, who are looking uh, to promote uh, the nation's interests and not their own at, at any level, not whether it's the Freedom Caucus or the Republican or even you know across the aisle. And um, I'm going to fight for my values, but I also care deeply about people. I care about the future of our nation, and I want to do things in a uh, in an upright way that are constructive, and I will call out the cronyism and and fight and expose it, you know, when it needs to be. And I will also build uh, thing build towards a better future with other people, um, because I, I, you know, everything that I'm doing is affecting what my kids are going to inherit. Every law I pass is what they're going to live under, and so I think we just need more people of that mindset. And I will definitely be one of those people. That's my record, a team builder. Yes, a strong conservative firebrand. Yes, somebody who uh, speaks out and and will fight for every inch, but also somebody who works with others, builds strong teams, and recognizes that the goal is building and preserving and conserving something, not blowing something up and destroying it. No, exactly, exactly. Even when we're blocking, it's all constructive. We have to have outcomes, and I think you've shown that. And I am very impressed with that because I think – you guys do have as much unity as you can have among, you know, you have f- five conservatives in a room, you all have 10 opinions and that's always been a problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but I think you guys have yeah. that and that's why you're effective at a federal level. I'm just going to tell you, I mean, I'm talking about friends of mine that, that don't get along and that this, this, this is a big, big problem. And I, I don't just mean even like different, like strategic ideas, but I mean on a personal level. And I think that's a big part of how a lot of this has fallen apart 
And uh, my hope is your your experience unifying that um, from day one, you not just join the Federal Freedom Caucus, but actually can maybe help reform, innovate. We, we got just a couple minutes left. I want to go back to state politics um, because we are going to be focusing a lot on the state. I have identified three things that I think prevent red states from being red, and I want to get your take, having really lived this at a policy level. Um, it's three things. It's identity politics, corporate politics, or federal funds. In other words, whatever we want to do yes. to make a red state red, and it's not is because of one of those three, often all three, like illegal immigration, pro-criminal stuff, they're scared of the identity politics, the corporate politics behind it, and there's always federal funds. Do you see any other elements to this? No, I, I think you're just dead on. I, and all of those go back to pressure points that make people, even good people. I mean, I know people that ran for the right reasons. They're good Christian guys who want to serve, guys and girls. And they want to serve, and they get in there, and the pressure uh, to conform, to stand down, to not make anybody look bad, um, it, it, it changes who they are. Uh, rapidly. And pretty soon there's somebody who always stands down, who never picks the battle. And, um, you know, when you look at the funding, it, it, the federal funding comes and, and controls some members. It's like they don't want to vote against things because they don't want to have constituents mad at them because they're opposing certain programs. Or if it's uh, federal funds that are pushing leftist programs or whether it's like a chamber group or more you know, the big business interests that are coming doing the same thing. We ran into that over and over again. But when we found out there was a fully state-funded pediatric transgender clinic in South Carolina, seeing four-year-olds to 16-year-olds, uh, bringing them in on the taxpayer dime, giving them puberty blockers and referring them to surgeons, surgeries, um, to surgeons to have these surgeries, I, we contacted different leaders in the state, and most people wouldn't touch it. I even had one person in leadership tell me, well, we got to be careful on that issue because we the medical community are big you know, supporters oh, of community. our caucus. And I thought, well, who, first of all, who cares? Like you're going to literally go with who's donating to your caucus over, you know, the, the, the protection of your children. Yep. But at the same time, like who the medical community, the, everybody I know in the medical community would be, is appalled by this. So don't let some, you know, crony lobbyist entity claim that they speak for the medical community. They don't. <laughs> They're, they're like, and just learn to stand up to him. So we FOIA'd that uh, clinic and said, tell me what you did to these kids and how old they were. They said, we don't have to yep. give you that. I said, yeah, you do or I'll sue you. They shut the clinic down the next day. And it was like, we've had situations like this over and over again, where all it took was somebody to stand up to them in a vocal way. And then it, and it, we won. We sued two school yep. districts that were teaching, you know, CRT and, and both cases they've removed the program you need to so lecture other, on other this throughout wouldn't. the country because other legislators need to hear this i love how you guys work off season i hate this how the legislatures come in for three seconds and they congratulate themselves oh we have limited government well no because the yes. executive branch has 365 days a year to screw with the people yes. and if you have no oversight that's worthless um, and, and, oh, well, we, we have another another eight months. We can't get back in session. So I love how you guys worked off season, used your platforms, used your voices, um, because, you know, whether it's a State Department of Health, Department of Education, Department of Infrastructure, you should not have any liberal policies flow 
from those agencies. And yeah. in fact, in most red states, it's exclusively liberal policies flowing from them. I love what you guys did um, there. I, I got to ask you, and everyone's wondering this, what the hell is wrong with South Carolina? Really, why is it that – and I mean every – almost every one of them is a subversive Republican or – and or have uh, um, you know, personal issues uh, where you – know, gone are the days yeah. where we could have people represent and live godly values where nonstop there's just – all sorts of issues, just just issues like p- pick up Leviticus and what is up with South Carolina Republicans? Why? Well, it's the elected uh, the elected officials do not represent the values of the people, but, and but that's how? just the the easy answer. Well, you know, because they're politicians, they run. They, first of all, a lot of them are very well funded. There's, uh, you know, around here you have the establishment forces that are willing to dump uh, tons of money in these elections to get moderate, weak, uh, timid members who just go with whatever special interests tell them to do. And so, of course, you know, shockingly, at the same time, people that are like that don't have strong personal values. Well, of course, they're literally sold out to the lobby. So, of course, they're going to have, uh, you know, come along with other issues. And, you know, you look at what's going on with my caucus. Ever since they kicked us out, um, they spent $700,000 on on my members, the Freedom Caucus members' districts, sending wow. attack mailers and attack texts. Oh yeah, like that's a lot of money for state house politics. Oh, it's insane. Yeah, and so they're just dumping this money. It's all funded. It's dark money groups that are funded by lobbyists, and the speaker is pressuring lobbyists to fund these attacks. And you sit there and go, "What in the world? How could that be going on?" And it's like, well, of course it's going on. We are an existential threat to the uh, lobbyists and special interest stranglehold on state government. It's why South Carolina is ranked one of the most liberal Republican-controlled states in every objective way. Yep. Highest income tax in the Southeast, no school choice, weak abortion laws, still haven't passed uh, prohibiting transgender surgeries on minors. I mean, you name it, we're behind. On the COVID we're stuff, it was so year. hard. We barely yes. did stuff on medical freedom where you guys are. And look, I, I, I got to run now, and I know you guys have a good agenda. I, I'm looking forward to working with you, whether you win at a federal level or not. There is so much more that needs to be done. We need people that are going to bring good legislation on illegal immigration, on medical freedom, on interposing against federal tyranny. Um, you know, the, the yeah. green, the green grift, which is thrives like anything in South Carolina, as may as well be California yeah. <laughs> when it comes to that. I mean, it's just nonstop here. Um, final question, and then you could just tell us where to find your campaign. Can you come? You're a singer. Can you compose a rallying cry song for a nation that a people that are just so down in the dumps? That's your homework. I'm giving you all right. Well, you know, I'm a conservative, so I'm going to say I don't know that we need a new song. I think we got some pretty great old ones that we just need to bring back and teach to our kids and start waving those flags and singing the singing the great American uh, hymns and anthems from the past. Well, all but right, I'll work but if you on think that. Maybe of, my think wife of, can arrange something. <laughs> yes, it's something that maybe you could work on. Where can people find more about your campaign? So our campaign's voteadammorgan.com. And uh, like I said, I'm in it to win it. I've got strong support, a lot of endorsements. We hit six figures on day one. Uh, I'm going to go all in. And the only way we can win this, though, is for conservatives to rally yes. and, and support. Get out the vote. Donate if you can. 
Uh, we'd just love to have your help. And, you know, the future is bright, but it, we've got to build it. And we've got to fight for it. Well, either at a federal or state level, you're going to have a future, and I want to work with you. We need more people at your age taking up that call. Appreciate it. Good luck, and we'll revisit very soon. Take care. Thanks for having me on. Happy Thanksgiving. So, folks, again, that was Adam Morgan. You guys know what to do. If we sleep through primaries, we have no one to blame but ourselves. Um, this is where it's at. I mean, he's really, really built a model. You know, what we talk about Ron DeSantis as an executive, what they've done with the South Carolina Freedom Caucus, I think, is a blueprint for what needs to be done on a legislative level. And that those are exactly the sorts of people that you need to bring in it's not just just like random people mogul you know no guys that actually have done it to the extent you could find people like that and to the extent they run you certainly want to have their back because we have proof of concept of exactly what we need to do at a federal level um they're doing a state level i still think we need to focus more (laughs) at a state level let me know if there's candidates you have email me daniel herwitz at startmail.com um Now, I mean, obviously, I'm not going to waste people's time just with anyone that has three nickels to rub that's just not going to go anywhere, has to show some legitimate, you know, viability. Otherwise, I'm just wasting people's time. But, you know, if we have someone that's really willing to, you know, has a career, made a name for himself, has the ability to get some support and is putting himself out there, I'm going to try to to the best of my ability to have their back. Um Look, you know, this is going to be our last time this week, and I know we won't be back until next Monday. But just to think about in terms of the meaning of Thanksgiving, what what I fear ultimately is that things haven't gotten bad enough. And we need a little bit more Thanksgiving and a little less Black Friday, if you know what I mean. There's just too much there's too much stuff and we have too much wealth as much as we complain about inflation and this and that. And, you know, on the one hand, God's blessings grow faster than we can even harvest them. But his blessings are also growing faster than our spirits can use them for the good. It reminds me a lot of, and mentions this several places throughout the Bible, but in Deuteronomy 32, 15, a Jeshurun, which is a name for Israel, grew fat and kicked, filled with food, they became heavy and sleek, they abandoned the God who made them and rejected the rock, their savior. That, you know, the, the the point of Thanksgiving is, and that's really the true lesson, that it's easy to turn to God in a time of need. After all, there's no atheist in a foxhole, right? What, what man struggles with most is keeping God in his life during a time of bounty and prosperity. And that's, that's really where, where, why I think we are where we are today is because God has blessed us so much you know, in the 20th century, we just, you know, good times made weak people. And we just don't care. And it's a gen- generation of people with no values. Uh, Calvin Coolidge actually wrote this in his uh, Thanksgiving Proclamation 1923. We have been a most blessed people. We ought to be a most thankful people. Yet, obviously, if you look at the growth of our material wealth throughout the, la- you know, post-World War II is where you saw the decline in you know belief in God, church attendance, family values and 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 so on. As such many people don't even know who to thank for the bounty anymore. That we're so pampered with luxury and convenience has turned our society away 
from family and godly values and has reared an entire generation on unvarnished narcissism and selfishness. And then, as we remain personally wealthy and indulgent, as much as we complain, we have what we need, we remain apathetic to the injustices around us. The broken political system, broken legal system, kind of like the citizens of, 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 uh, of Rome. We've let our guard down because we forget that we need a guard. We forget that God is the ultimate grantor of these comforts that we take for granted. So everything wrong with our society, culture, and government is not because of God's punishment, but because his immense blessings of divine providence filtered through our corrupted souls have turned into divine judgment. God meant it for good. He's given us everything we could possibly want, but because of our spirituality as a society has been so diminished, his very blessings from his just ways have been used for crooked, profligate, and decadent purposes. It's Hosea 14.9. Who is wise? Let them realize these things. Who is discerning? Let them understand. Understand what? What do you need to be discerning? The ways of the Lord are right. The righteous walk in them, but the rebellious stumble in them. So that's what it is. God, God could give you something that you could excel at or you could hang yourself with. But that's your fault. And we've hung ourselves with the bounty that we thank God for. So as we thank God for the unfathomable, unfathomable level of physical abundance that we still hold on to, we must remember that only he can deliver material prosperity, but only we can salvage our spiritual prosperity by returning his favors and turning back to him in his ways. And... Uh, and that's why we have to just thank thank God for what we do have and oblige ourselves to be worthy of those blessings lest his uh, endless patience run out on us. As Calvin Coolidge said that time, if at any time our rewards have seemed meager, we should find our justification for thanksgiving by carefully comparing what we have with what we deserve. And then perhaps then we'll finally realize that we have to turn to something higher. But at least recognize that we have to stop being blinded by comfort. Because my fear is, if it gets that bad, that people will finally be spawned to action, we won't have any power to act on that. We won't have things like the February South Carolina primary. Okay, while we have them, let's, let's not be distracted. I mean, if you know people living in South Carolina District 4, you have a clear, you know, good versus evil fight there. Don't sleep through it. Don't sleep through it. So, folks, with that, I hope you guys have a godly, family-oriented, joyous Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving weekend. Take some R&R, and we'll see you back same time, same place Monday. We're going to be ready, rejuvenated for the new year or end of this year, new year. We've got some new ideas coming, new fights, but I need your help. I need you to send this show to every one of your friends and relatives. Give us a five-star rating and send me your, your ideas. We need to pray together, strategize together. Iron sharpens iron. Hope to meet you guys at uh, next month's Patriot Academy training. Still available, patriotacademy.com slash Daniel. Until next Monday, God bless you all, and thank you for listening.